You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome everyone to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to the show. All of us on the same journey to master our photography. Welcome in. I am Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode. And joining me at the roundtable today is Brent Bergherm. Hey, Brent. Hello. And Connor Hibbs. Hi, Connor. Hey. All right. So we have some fun news to get to deal with today. And I'm kind of glad we waited. Um, I have tons of people <laughs> hitting me up on this. It's it's brand new MacBook Pro. So after 527 days, but who's counting? <laughs> Apple you finally are. refreshed the MacBook Pro line here in mid-July 2018. And uh, and so there's there's some goodies to, to talk about. And uh, as soon as they were released, everyone started hitting me up on mainly on Twitter, but it's, I had emails, I had Instagram posts, I had all kinds of people saying, hey, what do you think? What do you think? What is, and uh, and it's, it's too bad that I didn't have. So I, I did a photo taco episode at the beginning of July here where I outlined kind of what the current options are. If you were custom building a PC, what I would choose that actually matters as you are uh, building a PC for upgrading equipment and what doesn't what's not worth spending your money on and as we went through that um we also i also recommended like if you were going to go have a mac get a buy a mac what was worth spending money on but that of course was the old stuff now that there's brand new stuff i kind of need to update that so i wanted to talk about so let's let's talk about what's new and then connor ran i want to get your ideas and then i'm going to provide my recommendations on what i think a photographer should do my opinion and people will disagree but that's okay all right so first <laughs> up the uh, let's start with the 13 inch since it's kind of the the lower end model which I really dislike. I the 13 inches to me I, that's the the model I have. I love the form factor. I love the size of it, um, and I I think they are artificially sure they have some more limitations because there's a whole two inches gone. Um, but it feels to me like they are artificially limiting it so that you will spend more money on the 15 inch and I wish they'd, they'd make them closer, but they're not. So 13 inch, uh, you get updates to Intel's most current core i5 and i7 processors, um, including uh, quad core options. So that's all there are now are quad core options. You used to have some dual core options in the past. Now they're all quad core. You uh, still only get 16 gig of RAM, which again, I, I think kind of is a limiting artificial limitation that apple's putting on here you also only get a max of two terabytes of ssd there's no way they couldn't have allowed the four terabytes that's the form factor and, and the needs there are no different so they could easily have offered up to four terabytes but they've chosen to limit the 13 inch to two terabytes of SSD storage. And then there's no option for anything but integrated graphics coming from the processor. So it's the Intel Iris Plus 655 with 128 gig of RAM of EDRAM. Um, and it maxes out, if you do all of that, you go Core i7, 16 gig of RAM, two terabytes of storage, and the, the best video option that they've got that's part of the CPU, that maxes out at a big, $3,700. Then you have the 15 inch model, which now has six core options. Um, in fact, I believe all of it's six core. You don't even have an option to go down to four core. Uh, and then they are core i7. And for the first time, you now also have core i9 processor options. 
They've increased the storage up to four terabytes of SSD at the max. And the thing that most people are going to be so excited about, me included, this is a big deal to me. You can go to 32 gig of RAM now. Previous MacBooks all maxed out at the most at 16 gig. You could not buy one that had more than 16 gig of RAM, and now you can. Uh, then there's AMD graphics. They've updated that to more current AMD graphics with uh, four gigabytes of VRAM. And if you max the whole thing out, Core, 9, Core i9 processors, four terabytes of storage, 32 gigabytes of RAM, and the best AMD graphics they'll put in there, it's a cool $6,700 to buy, to buy the 15-inch <sighs> MacBook Pro. So, Connor and Brent, you guys are Mac users. You don't use PCs yes. uh, much. If, if uh, Brent, I don't think you use them at all, do you? PCs? Nope. Yeah. So, you guys are Mac heads. You, you love this stuff. Are you going to go buy these things? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why not? Why are you going to go buy these things? Brent, you can start with yours okay. first. Okay, well, the thing that excites me, you mentioned excites you as well. That's the 32 gigs of RAM. That's delightful, and I wish, because I just have the, the previous model. So my current computer is now considered, I guess you could say, old, but it's not that old. And I'm pretty much on a three-year cycle. Uh, my notebook is provided by work, and I'm on a three-year cycle. So I'm going to be waiting, unless there's something special going on uh, for why my need, computer needs to be utilized elsewhere. Uh, I'm not going to be upgrading for another two and a half years or more because I upgraded mine uh, like in February or something. I can't remember exactly when I got mine. But yeah, I got it just fairly recently. And the only thing I was lamenting was they still hadn't gone to 32 gigs on the RAM. Uh, the six core processor, the four gigs of VRAM, that's a nice option to have kind of thing for me, but I'm not looking for that in my computer. I do want some computing power in my portable. 32 gigs of RAM is where that needs to be for me because I'm doing more photo stuff and certainly the processor, of course, but that's just going to take down my battery. Again, it's just not that it, I'm getting to the point where I, that's just not as important to me. And the fact that they're not even allowing a, a four core option is kind of like I shrug my shoulders and say, well, you know, when I get around to it, yeah, I'll upgrade. But this is not something that I'm just like pining after. Mm -hmm. Okay, Connor, what about you? It, I, I'm still salty from years ago <laughs> when they started soldering everything in oh, and yeah. you, you can't upgrade. For me, I'm, I'm just kind of over Apple in general and the fact that um, for an upgrade of 16 gigabyte um, RAM up to 32 gigabytes of RAM, you're spending $400 to, to upgrade to a one terabyte SSD from a 250 gigabyte SSD. That's $600. Yeah. And, that's just an absurd price. I'm I'm just really frustrated with them in general. I think that the only thing I really still love about Apple products in general, I like the user interface. I think it's nice, but it's not enough to keep me there. It's it's the panel. It's the the screen that comes in the laptop, and that's something that is still working fine for mine. So I'm gonna run my computer until it dies, and then after that, I'm just gonna hope that maybe Windows has something that is comparable that I can. Or there is a window machine. Windows machine that is comparable um, that I can switch to because as, as much as I really do like Apple's products, I, I think that I'm just completely over them, not only overcharging for all of the components that they put in their computers, but then trying to limit people from being able to, to do any kind of aftermarket upgrading on their own. Um, I, I'm just, I'm tired of that. And none of these features in here are things that I think are um, 
things that I can't live without. For me to have this machine, uh, a 15 inch, with even the minimum specs that I would want to, I'm I would be spending like $3,600, and I don't need to spend that kind of money for a new computer right now. And don't foresee a need for that in any time in the near future. Knock on wood. Right. <laughs> okay. So now I'm the I'm going to be the the guy that has the hobbyist budget here. Which man, these numbers are just so big that uh, there's no way I could do a $6,700 15-inch MacBook Pro. That's just, <laughs> it, it could fly to the moon, and that's just not going to help me. I, it, it's not good. Um, yeah. It, it's too too much money. And then, um, you know, I, I that's part of the reason I choose Windows is the cost-effectiveness, but that's because of me. I, it, it's not the ideal scenario. So I, you Mac people who love it and I, I love you all out there. And I, I totally understand why you have the love for him. And that's just fine. If it's working in your budget, if it's working in your business, that's great. You, you need to choose the right tool for you to get the job done and, and have it not be a problem. And certainly for some people, Windows machines tend to have more trouble for them because they don't know how to take care of them because they don't know what they're buying when they're getting them. They don't know how to make sure that they get a quality one. And there is certainly garbage out there for Windows machines that could get you in a mess of trouble and um, and not be good. Um, I, I mean, I get that all the time too. People say, oh, there's this awesome deal on a Windows laptop at Costco. Look at this thing. And I look and I'm like, yeah, it's not that good. It's like, the specs <laughs> mm-hmm. are not good enough for doing a good job with photo editing. And they're always so disappointed. Like, oh, but it's such a good price. Like there's a reason it's a good price and it's because it's not good enough. So um, if you spent similar kinds of money on a Windows machine that you do a Mac, you're going to get similar kinds of results. It's hard to swallow. Um, in fact, you could do it probably a little less. But it, anyway, it, you, you can choose whatever you like. So don't take away from this this episode that we're downing Mac. If you like it and you can afford it and it's fitting in your business, by all means, go for it. And that's great. Um, now, what do I recommend here for photographers? Most of this stuff, most of these upgrades that we that are available here, I don't think are necessary for photographers. Um, I hear from a lot of photographers all the time that are still on like 2011 models of MacBooks and they're doing great. They're, they may have uh, taken some initiative and upgraded the hard drive to an SSD themselves, which if that's not you, then and you you don't have that skill set or don't even want to try, then fine, buy, buy newer equipment and, and get there. But it's very possible to do really well in Lightroom and Photoshop on hardware that's not this maxed out. Um, but if you are in the market, maybe you have a 2011 and you're just like, wow, I, I really think I need a new one at this point. It's seven years old and <laughs> I think I could use something new. Here's where what I would recommend the money is worth spending on. And I'll give it to you in priority order. We'll start with a 13 inch. Um, I would have said, don't get the touch bar model. I really dislike the touch bar. Have you guys used the touch bar? Oh, I think it's totally pointless. I everybody that I know that has one is like I've I've never found this useful, and yeah. I don't know why it's a feature. Yeah, it's. Uh, I really dislike Brent. What do you think? Have you used it? Yeah, I have the Touch Bar in mine, and it's okay. Um, it's almost more annoying than than anything because it keeps changing uh, versus you know basically on the context of what you're doing. Yeah. And so if I want to brighten my screen or lower the volume, or whatever, I always have to hit an extra button or two, virtual buttons or two. And it's just like, you know, I, on my old computer, I could have just hit one button and I'd be done. So, yeah, I find it more annoying than anything. Yeah, certainly not 
I mean, it's probably, it's, it's fine. Like you say, Brent, it's fine. It most of the time is not that big of a deal, but I wouldn't count it as like a, a feature that's improving things, especially in the context of photography. Um, maybe in video editors, I, I know that the bar will change in video editors. And I think some have enjoyed that. They like that they have some different options there as they go into their video editor, but for photographers, which is what we're focusing on, uh, it's not that big a deal. So if it was extra money and it is to get the, the core or the touch bar, then I'd say, yeah, just save it. Unfortunately, they decided and Apple makes these moves. It's very calculated. I'm sure. Uh, oh, yeah. the, the only way you can get a higher powered CPU in the machine in 13 inches, you have to get the touch bar model. Those two are somehow linked together. And I don't see why that has to be, but they've deliberately chosen that probably to get more money out of you. So if you want to get a higher CPU, you have to go, go with the touch bar model. And I hate that. I wish you could not have the touch bar. But so to, I, my recommendation, if you're buying the brand new one, yep, go ahead and get the touch bar model because you, I also recommend you upgrade the CPU. Most people are going to live with these machines for years. And that little bit of CPU uh, difference is, especially in the 13 inch model, it's a $300 difference. Get you some more gigahertz and that's going to be worth it in the long run. Because, unless you're going to planning to upgrade your machine all the time, then maybe not. But most people are buying these and like you, Brent, for three years, I'd imagine most people are sticking with them for at least three years. Um, uh, and tax wise, you kind of have to, <laughs> um, then, then that would be my recommendation. Upgrade the CPU to the, the fullest. Then the RAM. Um, so these are in priority order, remember. So if that's all the budget you've got is an uh, extra 300 bucks, then stop there. That's, that's what you go with and you get the eight gig of RAM. But if you have the budget for $200 more, go from eight to 16. That's a big deal. That's going to really help with Lightroom in particular and Photoshop, especially if you do round tripping between them need to run both at the same time, you have large files, then that's a big deal. You're going to want that. And then the last one is more optional and that's just a matter of convenience. So going from the 256 gig SSD is the default to the 512 for another 200 bucks would be worth it in my opinion. So you have just a little bit more buffer um, in, the, in the main hard drive. And then you can add more storage from there. So I absolutely do not recommend you go to the full two terabytes of SSD internal. That's just <laughs> insane money for, for that benefit. And you can add uh, tera you can add much bigger drives external that are going to be super fast for less money. So that would be my, my recommendation. Do you guys have any things you would change on those recommendations? No, I, I totally agree. I'm still gnashing my teeth at the idea of spending $200 for eight extra gigabytes. I of know, RAM, it, I know it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And if you're yeah. super brave, you can. Oh, no, no. It's soldered in. Never it's mind. It's all soldered in. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Never you mind. Know, on that idea with the computers I buy at the school, I was looking at buying some really souped up 21 inch machines, uh, iMacs. And then I got to looking at it. I was like, wow, that's pretty expensive. I could get a lesser uh, 27 inch for about the same price. And then I'll just toss my own Ram in there. And that was a much better option for us because we'll get about 40 gigs of Ram in each machine and the extra big screen as well. And the better video card for about the same price as a super souped up 21 inch. So, yeah. um, you know, in that respect, I'm really glad that they left the user upgradable RAM in the 27 inch iMacs, but that's the only one. Right. It's kind yeah. of annoying. Yeah. It, especially with RAM, it's it's the 
it's so easy to change out. Like, ugh, they're totally just doing that so they can milk all the money that they can out of it. I understand. The, the thing is, if they didn't do that, there's still going to be plenty of people out there who won't feel confident to even do that because it's it's technology and that's scary. They don't want to do it. Your average user um, who doesn't need super spec out stuff is going to probably pay for something middle of the road and live with it. And it, it's just really frustrating that they call this a pro and yet they're going to charge professionals that much more money when realistically any of us that have done this kind of stuff before know with the old versions when you could swap out your drives and swap out your RAM it's not terribly hard and you can save hundreds and hundreds of dollars in doing that and have a decently modded out computer and the fact that you can't do that now just oh I'm sorry I'm I'm angry (laughs) well I don't think your perspective is uh, very unique Um, I I think this is a, a debate an internal really like a an internal battle people have because they love the Mac. They love how it works. They love the ecosystem between like the iPhone and the Mac and, and how everything integrates and, and works well together. And they, they're willing to even pay more for that over windows because of that experience. But man, is this so much more and your right to repair is impacted. And I, it's, it's this real struggle that they're having. And, and I think I, I know I've had lots of, uh, creatives tell me that I'm, I had to do it. I didn't want to, but I had to switch over to windows because this is a crazy. Um, yeah. All right. So 15 inch, let's just go through what my recommendations are there. And so first off, um, you do, I do want, I, I recommend you start off with the higher model you have. I think there's two choices there. There's a lower cost option and a higher one. And I do recommend the higher one. And there's, there's a very specific reason for it. I, I wanted to start off with the lower cost option, but here's why the higher one has a core i7 processor with a higher uh, clock rate in it and it's not all that's not even available in the lower cost option and then you also have both options have the core i9 i do not recommend going to the core i9 and it's for a very specific reason and that's that there's been some pretty significant heat problems already people have experienced they've only been out for uh you know people have had hands-on for only days and they are doing like uh, video rendering tests to see how do the machines perform and they are unable to really get the machine to operate at the full clock speed for extended periods of time like it takes for video rendering um, because of heat problems it's just not dissipating the heat effectively enough now this isn't a unique problem to apple uh, laptops notebooks whatever you're going to call them those small four-factor things we're already at a disadvantage when you're talking about that there's a reason that high-end desktops have these massive towers with tons of fans in them and all of these heat sinks all over the place and that's because heat is a major enemy to all of this stuff and the more you can get the heat away the better things can perform consistently and when you put it in a laptop windows or mac it doesn't matter you have less ability to be able to dissipate that heat and it, it impacts things so for video editors it's like really hard to think that you're going to do this on a MacBook or any notebook compared to a desktop because they, they have, first of all, higher end chips overall, usually anyway, they're not mobile chips. They work better. They, they have more processing power. And then the heat dissipation stuff is a massive advantage for desktop. We're, we're talking to the photographers here. So, um, so, you know, it's not probably quite as big a deal as it is if you're doing a lot of video, but there's a lot of photographers who listen to this, who also do video. Um, but the heat dissipation is a problem that core I nine, 
I don't think it is worth it to upgrade that to the Core i9, and hopefully it will help you to avoid some of the heat problems. What I would I would say here is if you pay for the Core i9, I think it's highly likely you are never going to have that Core i9 actually be used for long periods of time at the, the full output it's possible it's capable of because the heat dissipation is not good enough so you'd be spending a lot of money and not really being able to leverage it is is how it's looking based on really early feedback here so we'll see what continues to happen but that would be my recommendation there next thing to spend money on i would definitely go to the 32 gig of ram that is a big deal that's a really really big deal i have 32 gig of ram on my desktop computer and even with that as i'm doing lightroom and photoshop uh, compositing, which is, I do a lot of that, or panoramas, do a lot of that. I'm regularly running out of 32 gig of RAM. So, um, you know, I have to close down all my browsers because they take up a lot of RAM and close down everything else just to give it everything I can. And uh, I really wish I had 64 on my desktop so that I, I wouldn't run into those problems. So 32 is definitely worth the money if it's in the budget to, to go and upgrade to that. And then um, for the AMD graphics, uh, I wouldn't bother upgrading. I would leave that one alone. And it's because Lightroom and Photoshop, they today don't do a spectacular job of leveraging the graphics card. You're gonna get AMD graphics anyway. I don't think it's materially different going from the one model of the AMD card to the, the other one and paying the money for that. So save the money there. Uh, so all in on the 15 inch, went to i7 uh, six core processor and the upgrade to the RAM, you're looking at about $3,200 would be a very good machine that's going to last you for at least the next three years and uh, do a really good job with your photography and, and uh, Lightroom and Photoshop. Anything you guys want to add there or was this this topic done? I'm done. Yeah, I think we covered it pretty good. <laughs> All right. I know I'm going to get email. I know there's going to be, oh, you, you Mac hater. And well, <laughs> oh, go, go ahead and CC me, everybody, because, you know, I manage 20 Macs at work and I fully concur with what he said. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I, I like the ecosystem, but it's unfortunately it is tempting more and more to switch that lab to PC just because of cost. Um, you know, I wouldn't have to manage it anymore. I could have someone else manage it. So, yeah, PC is looking pretty tempting. Okay, let's move on to the next topic. So we asked in our Facebook group, and if you are not a member of the Facebook group, and we know there's lots of you who are not because we have thousands and thousands of listeners that listen to this show and not all of you are in the group. There's just the numbers don't match. So, so we know there's a lot of you who are not and you're missing out. You're missing out on opportunity to interact with all the hosts. You're missing out on posts that are out there that people help each other. Like we don't, we're not involved in every single one. And uh, so you're missing out a lot. If you, if you go search for uh, master photography podcast, you'll be, you'll be able to find the group. You do have to ask to join. We have to keep the bots and the spammers out. So you have to answer a question to get into the group. And uh, so it, the first name of any host on the network or even some of the guests that have been on the network will be great. But if you don't answer that question, we just can't let you in no matter how legit your profile looks. That's a really good judge of uh, whether this person's really a listener to the podcast or not. We only want listeners in that group. So go find that and check it out and join the group. But these questions came from the group. And the first one up comes from Brian Duncan. Uh, I know he's an avid listener and avid contributor out on the Facebook group. So Brian, thanks for, for being a member of the master photography community. And he asked about focus stacking handheld. 
So Brent, why don't you tackle this one first? What would you try to do if you if you wanted to do focus stacking? And maybe you should, as brief as you can, because we have four questions here, sure. or three questions, ex- explain what focus stacking is for someone who may not know. Sure. And his question also was leading into macro focus stacking. So ah. to begin with, focus stacking is where you have a particular scene and you've got various items at different depths in the scene. And what I mean by depths is how far away from you or your camera is that element or that item. And if you're not able to stop your lens down to a small aperture to get most everything in what we call acceptably sharp focus, that's our depth of field, then we would do a technique called focus stacking. And that's where we can focus at the foreground, the midground, the background, and maybe there's even more, uh, you know, smaller steps that you have to go in order to get everything in focus. And so he was asking about focus stacking. He's getting into macro. He's asking about focus stacking handheld. And my uh, response to that would be not on macro because when you're in macro, you're magnifying your, your, your subject so much. The slightest movement will change so drastically, everything in the scene so drastically. And so I just don't see it making sense to try to attempt that while handheld with macro because what you need to do is you need to be able to adjust that focus and whether you're going to use autofocus and change your autofocus sensor and move to a different subject and then refocus on that and then take the picture and then change the autofocus sensor again there's bound to be movement and you have to lock that puppy down so that you don't have any movement when you do that focus stacking or you're just going to have a whole lot of work in post-production, which may or may not end up working at all just because of the, the movement from place to place for those different elements. Right. So does yeah. that, is that making sense to you guys? I, yeah, I, absolutely. I hope it's making sense. Yeah. So the, the way that I could potentially see focus stacking working for you if you had to do it handheld was if you had a subject that had a really blank or super smooth or whatever you want to call it area that allowed that transitional phase from this is the area that's in focus and I'm going to use this portion of the frame to transition to the other frame where that other area is in focus. And I'm thinking like sand on a beach or, you know, something really, uh, something really plain like that. So what you can do is you can easily with a wider angle lens, like 28 millimeter, 24 millimeter, whatever, take your shot. And then you're still going to have some kind of movement between the two shots. But because you're at a wide angle, that movement is going to be so uh, minimized and you're hardly going to notice it. You can do a quick uh, align, auto align in Photoshop and it'll uh, fix most of your sins. And then you can work on the focus stacking from there. But macro, I just don't see that working out. No, not at all. Macro, it's like millimeters matter. And there there is no way that you're going to have that focus be accurate from shot to shot, moving the focus where you want it and have the millimeter handheld. That's you you just can't. It doesn't matter how steady you think your hands are. (laughs) Not possible. (laughs) And then a challenge that I'm dealing with, I'm actually producing some YouTube videos that will be out in early August uh, and that one of them is very much dealing with focus stacking. The challenge that I'm finding, the lens that I was using actually has what we call focus breathing. And when you change the focus, it actually very subtly also changes effectively the zoom that you have. So the subject itself gets larger or smaller depending. And it's very small amount. But when you're trying to match it up and use Photoshop's auto line and auto blend for focus stacking, it just doesn't work. And then depending also on your subject, I was working with ferns. 
And when that fern is out of focus, you know, it's bigger, physically larger in the scene, uh, that individual leaf of the fern, if you will. And so that area where it's from sharp to you want the sharp background, you're going to have blurred fern. And that doesn't work either. And just imagine if that were misaligned. So you're just compounding your problems uh, if you're focus stacking and you're not on a tripod. I really like the phrase blurred fern. I don't know why. <laughs> I do too, now that you bring it up. Blurred fern. I think this that's the new so website, blurredfern.com. I don't know what I would do with it. That's a good band name. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll mention that to Brian since he was Yeah, Brian would love that. Yeah, it's too bad we don't have him on. Maybe he'd have a, a good ABBA song to go along with this. Nice. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next question. Please, um, please, please. <laughs> this one's from uh, Gary Aidkman. I don't know how you say his last name. A-I-D-E-K-M-A-N. But Aidkman? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Gary, I'm sorry I slaughtered your name. Um, he said, what are the attributes of good, intermediate to advanced workshop participants? Which is, I love this question. And describe the participant who seems to get the most out of a workshop versus one who gets the least. So I'm going to start off and then I'll let you guys uh, kind of add to or, or change whatever you'd like. But here's what I think makes the best participant. It's one who is willing to engage with everyone, like the host and all of the other participants. Everyone's going to be coming into this at different levels or different paths of their journey. They're, there's going to be some that have expertise similar to the host, perhaps even, uh, and some that are very beginner, uh, being you know, patient with the other people and maybe helping someone who's a beginner, especially if they're like kind of being shy and the host might be with another person and you can tell they're struggling, man, if you will, if you're willing as someone who might know a little more about it to go over there and help them, it's, it's, it helps you because teaching validates what you know and what you don't <laughs> when you teach yeah, sure. if you don't know what you're talking about. It becomes really fair, really clear, really fast that you don't actually know what you're talking about. And so yeah. helping another person, even though you're not the host, you're not there to do that, being willing to do that, I think really improves your experience, even though you're helping someone else. Um, I also think um, being willing to learn, like going into it saying, I don't know everything. I, I'm, maybe I'm very experienced. Maybe I'm pretty confident with things. Maybe I'm, I'm, uh, I, I know a lot about this, but I don't know everything and being willing to hear how maybe the, the host of the workshop or the instructor is approaching things. He might approach it differently and that might be good. You might learn something like a different approach that maybe applies to a specific uh, scenario that you, that you're at, that you didn't weren't aware of, but being approaching it, like, I don't know everything is, is going to put you in a better position too, even if you're super experienced and maybe do know most of what's going to be talked about. Uh, having that attitude seems to, it seems really important to me. The worst would be someone who's kind of exact opposite of all those things who really only sign up for the workshop to kind of have the, the spot, get them to the spot of wherever you're going. And then they kind of off on their own, being alone, not helping anybody, <laughs> not listening to the host and just there so that they are at the location and can do the shoot or there because the models have been brought in and now they get to shoot the models without having had to arrange the models to be brought in or whatever the, the workshop's about. They're leveraging the host to get them there and and create the the scene and that's it that would be someone who's probably going to get the least out of the workshop so that that's how i think about it what do you guys think what do you think brent 
Oh, it, I, I was, I'm smiling here. You can't see me because we don't have the video going, but I'm smiling here because I must be one of the worst way back when in 2002, I think it was, I went on, um, uh, or 2003, I went on a, a workshop in Hawaii and I was that guy who was always just, we'd get to the scene and then the crowd would go one direction. I would go another because I wanted that unique view. I wanted that unique look. And there was even a time where, uh, the, one of the, the main instructor who later became my mentor, actually, um, he actually commented during our review one time, he's like, yeah. And what's Brent doing over there with that girl? <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever, because one of the drivers for our vehicle drivers, uh, she was wearing a nice sarong kind of a thing. And I was like, this is awesome. So I, I asked her, I was like, look, I'll pay you 20 bucks. I want you to walk to, up and down this beach and just got the most beautiful shot, at least, you know, for me at that time of this nice woman walking down the beach, the waves crashing in, everything is just, you know, coming together. And I got her to sign a release. And so I kind of described that and Daryl, he was like, well, good for you. You know? <laughs> so, so, okay, um, hold on. Wait, I, I need to qualify what I was yeah. saying. <laughs> That's not to say you can't go go do something different than everyone else no, is. Because right. that's absolutely part of the workshop would be exploring and yes. and trying to do something different than everyone else. But it's a person who is unwilling to interact with the other people. Completely, Unwilling yes. to help anybody. Like if they ask a question, like blowing them off or thinking that, that because maybe you have some more knowledge, you, you have a lot of knowledge about what you're shooting and, and how to shoot it that you're not going to spend any of your valuable time on any of the other participants or, or interacting yeah. with the host or whatever it is that that's what I'm trying to get yeah, out. Is, yeah. Is, and I, I figured you were doing that as, is just as like, wow, you're painting a picture of what I did. <laughs> so, um, but also if I can throw out, that was actually, um, I had been on a previous workshop and the, that was back when workshops were put on by uh, American photo and pop photo magazine. And I had met the publisher of the magazine. And so he actually invited me on that workshop and he largely paid my way. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll show up. Why not? So, um, but it was still very valuable because the other participants that were there, the leaders that were there, you know, definitely being involved in that. And I would go a little further in, in, in what you were saying as far as um, not being willing to, even if you are in the mindset where you think you're being open and willing, it's really about take a, take a step out you know, are you really being selfish about your shot? Are you stepping in front of people? Are right. you stepping on people's toes, metaphorically speaking? Um, I also accidentally did some of that, just not being, just not being aware of, you know, who's behind me, that kind of a thing. And it was an innocent accident, but it's something you still have to be thinking of when you're with the group. And that's why I also like smaller groups where this group was really large. The one I went to in Ireland was like 40 people. So these huge groups can, can be a problem sometimes as well. So think about that as well on how you're going to interact with a small or large group. Yeah, totally. I, I feel like you guys have hit on all of the things that I would say are um, some of the most important things. I, I think it's really important to just um, be willing to be in the experience and try and help other people get the shot when sometimes that means you're not going to get the shot. Yeah. Um, because it, I, I think oftentimes, well, 
workshops are awesome instances to be able to get really cool creative portfolio work i think other times it's largely about just thinking through how you would do it in in place and being able to talk out ideas with another person um is really important i i am kind of in that in between space with my opinion on whether or not people should go off on their own because because in one hand i i think that you need to have a positive attitude and be willing to be a part of the group but at the same time i think that um it's really important to be able to say you know what I don't want to do it this way I want to do it this way instead is that okay and maybe not be a, a jerk about it but right, right. Um, that that's something I I'm in talking about this, I was reminded of my friend Jeanette when she was taking a workshop from me a couple years ago in Phoenix. And um, I, I I had set up a shot and it was working with a model out on location. And we were shooting um, from kind of a low angle because I was talking about how I like shooting women from a low angle because it gives kind of a powerful um, stance yeah. and I like that. And uh, Jeanette just kind of looked at me and she's like, she was taking a few pictures and she's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of shooting up her nose and I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, so so why why are you still doing that? And she's like, well, you did it that way. I'm like, yeah, because I'm I'm different than you. And she's like, so I can do it differently then. And I was Please. like, yeah. <laughs> and then from then on out, she was like, okay, I'm doing everything the way that I want to do it. I'm just going to take into consideration the things that you have to say. I'll try it your way and then do it my way. And it was awesome because she ended up being kind of a leader within the group where she would go and try something different, different than what I was setting up. And that would kind of get other people going where they're like, oh, maybe maybe I can try that. And, and it doesn't have to be the way that Connor's doing it. And it's like, that, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the workshop's not necessarily about shooting exactly like the person that's teaching you. It's about right. learning the concepts that are being taught. Over and some of it is being on the location and having the model. Absolutely. That's, oh, yeah. You know, leveraging that you're paying money to go for that because you don't want to deal with that getting that set up. <laughs> that is a piece of the reason that you're on the workshop. So I get that. I understand that. But if that's all you're going to leverage it for, uh, you're. I think you're missing out on opportunity. I, I also think that now that I look at Gary's question again, maybe what he's kind of a little bit concerned about is the fine line, a good intermediate to advanced uh, participant in the workshop will have of being like Mr. Know-it-all. Um, I, I think back to like in college, <laughs> as I would go to some of the classes, uh, in one class in particular, there was a kid who sat, a, a guy, I guess I shouldn't call him a kid, we were in college, but he sat on the front row uh, every time, every class, and all he did was every time the professor made a statement that he disagreed with, he raises his hand and then it would be like, actually, professor, and he'd fill us in oh. on, you know, what the real story was. And every, it got to, by the end of the semester, every time he raised a hand, everyone else in the class is like putting their hand their head on their hands just like oh please shut up please stop mm -hmm. we want to hear what the professor says we, we don't want to hear what you have to say <laughs> so maybe making sure that you avoid that like offer your help offer to and if if maybe even if the, the host or the instructor is is saying something and you have a different approach making sure you phrase it in a way it's like well I, I like to do it this way. I don't yeah. know, it, you know, trying to, it's a fine line. It's really hard. Is there something <laughs> wrong with me doing it this way or, instead? Or even or offering like other option? people could benefit in the class from, from hearing an alternative approach. And yeah. the instructor doesn't know everything. They probably haven't had, you know, experience in every possible shooting situation. <laughs> That's yeah. got, there's gotta be a, you know, give and take there, but try to avoid being the know-it-all so that the whole group doesn't like start hating you <laughs> right? <laughs> and that you're taking over the group uh, would I, probably be I, a wise thing to do. Yeah, I totally agree. As an instructor, I actually really like having the people that are that kind of intermediate advanced when they're, they're in the, 
when they're not trying to prove themselves against yeah, the teacher, right. when they're trying to be helpful and say like, well, could you, is it okay if we talk about doing it another way or is this possible? Cause I, I, from my perspective as an instructor, I teach things the way that it makes sense to me right. and the way that I like to do it. Um, but I know for a fact that I don't always do it the only way that could be done. So when somebody brings something up like that up and they're doing it in a polite and respectful manner that is truly coming from a place of just wanting to be helpful and giving ideas of other ways to do it. I love that. I think that's awesome. And, and being in that position, as long as you're not coming off as snotty or like trying to prove something and really just trying to be helpful, uh, whenever a question is asked like that, I go, Oh yeah, you know what? That's cool. Let's, let's do it that way too, because you make a really good point. It can be done in a way that's not just the way I'm teaching. And, and I think that it's, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's actually yeah. a good a good way to think about it even in the Facebook groups too. Like as as we're all posting sure. in the Facebook groups, try to have that be the uh the, the reason for your post and not trying to prove you know more or you're smarter or whatever kind of ego thing there might be. What are you saying, Brett? Well, yeah, I've told my students whether at the school or in the workshops what have you many times and that is photography is about one of the only things that I know of that is so chock full of rules <laughs> that can very easily mean nothing. That's right. <laughs> and once you understand that and you're able to have that conversation beyond it, because again, the, Gary is talking about intermediate advanced type person. This is the person that understands that probably. And so they're going to be able to hopefully have that conversation and be able to share something that maybe because I'm delivering something in a certain way, it might not sink into this one person but then here comes gary or someone like that with a different perspective uh, you know maybe maybe that makes sense to to this other person that just wasn't getting it and so uh, yeah speak up that's great very good all right we're out of time i think we'll save the last question which is a really good one i like it a lot i want to hear connor's answer but we'll save it for another episode <laughs> we'll, yeah we'll totally. store this one off and, and save it for another episode uh let's jump to our doodads of the week we had a struggle this time none of us have really <laughs> bought much photography gear lately even with prime day did, did you guys pay attention to amazon prime day that just happened um, I paid attention. I looked at it, but it, I, I view Prime Day as an, a reason for Amazon to have yeah. the attention of Black Friday with the same non-deals that happen on Black yeah, it's Friday. Like marketing genius. <laughs> it, it really is. And I actually did buy something. Maybe that should be my doodad. I bought some headphones, some Sony noise-canceling uh, Bluetooth headphones. They were like 100 bucks off. So yeah. I was like, well, I kind of do need headphones already, so I'll go ahead and do it. Now, so I follow the wider wire cutter uh, feed of like they what they do is they go through all the deals and it's not just Amazon because there's a bunch of other retailers now that also put up sales on the same day trying to leverage the the same kind of uh, feeling <laughs> that that everyone's ready to go find deals um, so they they scoured like Best Buy and all kinds of retailers and then they put out the ones that were actually good deals so the, cool. I, I don't know what the final numbers ended up being but it was something like there were forty thousand deals that they looked at and only like a couple hundred that were legit good deals. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was helpful to me. I don't want to go scour everything and try to figure out what's a good deal and do the price comparison. So, uh, right. so yeah, that's what I followed. I, I did buy 
nothing photography related though. They're just, uh, I already have the stuff that could have been, well, I guess I did buy an SD card, but, um, I buy those whenever I see them on sale. So, so yeah. that's, uh, it's not really that big a deal. All right. Anyway, but beside the point, so Connor, why don't we start with you? What, what did you decide to have be <laughs> your pick of the week? This one, your dude out of the week. Um, well, little inside baseball. I've literally thought of this and put it in while we were just talking there. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I, I did actually buy something new recently, and it's not because I thought it was cool. It was just because I, I left my Canon camera battery charger in Pennsylvania at the end of my workshop, realized it the other day when I only had one battery left with any charge on it, and went, ah, I'm in trouble. Um, so I bought a newer du- dual LCD battery charger for the Canon LPE6 batteries. Um, I was originally just going to go with the, the Canon brand charger, because uh, when it comes to batteries and stuff, I, I don't mind getting third-party batteries, but I do realize that the, the quality of them is lesser than the name brand. Um, but I, I decided to give this charger a try because it had a number of great reviews, and I was able to charge two batteries instead of one, and it has an LCD readout that says how charged the battery is as it's charging. And so far, so good. I, I have only had it for about a week now, um, but it charged all of my batteries up. It charges them. If you put two batteries on, they charge independently of one another, right. um, so that, that part's really nice. And it has, it has two modes, which I think is interesting. It has a high power and a low power mode um so the low power charges very 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 slowly and the high power charges eh, maybe slightly faster than what i've seen other battery chargers do um but it's something that i have found useful it allows me to charge two batteries at once and it comes with a a port for car charger or yeah car battery charger and it it it, it was something like 25 30 dollars somewhere in there Um, so it was a a reasonable price compared to the 60 dollars that canon would have wanted for a single battery charger of their own and so far it seems to be working really well yeah my experience with the newer i don't know how you pronounce it exactly n-e-e-w-e-r is the brand here my experience has been for the most part i have liked their stuff it's it's generally like (laughs) half the money of of name brand stuff the one place i haven't liked it was their light stands that's they the light stands have not been good so i would avoid the newer light stands but the other stuff i've got a few things and, and it's been pretty good all right brent what do you have for us Mine is a barcode reader because I just yesterday had a package delivered to me. I ordered some stuff from B&H and I opened it up and I was like, when did I order this? This is kind of weird. So I then looked at the packing slip and it was for some dude at the University of Pennsylvania. And I was like, oh, well, this isn't mine, <laughs> uh, but the label is mine. And so in dealing with B&H, uh, they were like, well, they said it was delivered. You know, this this material was your order was in this uh, this uh, tracking number, and so I looked on my label and I was like, well, the tracking number isn't there. So I just took my barcode reader that I used for tracking my inventory for my lens rentals and scanned it. And sure enough, that is the tracking number that they're referencing. I was like, yeah, so this is all the right number. It's the right label. It's just someone in your factory, warehouse, whatever, put the wrong label, the right label on the wrong box, put my label (laughs) on the wrong box. And so they're like, okay, we're sorry. And it's all fixed and done. I'm going to get my product on Thursday or whatever. But still, without that, for some reason, the the tracking number was not on the label itself. And I was able to figure it out 
because I have a barcode reader. So that was fun. And then I'm also going up for global entry. So Connor last time mentioned the TSA. Uh, I get TSA pre-check with global entry, but then I'll also be able to breeze through uh, customs when I come back. And because of that, I'm doing a free meetup I wanted to mention in um, Bellingham, Washington on the 23rd. So uh, there's a state park there. And... Um, Larrabee State Park. So if listeners want to do that, uh, hit me up on Facebook and we will uh, coordinate. Excellent. All right. And I'm going to finish off with my totally not photography related <laughs> dude out of the week this week. I just couldn't come up with anything photography related today, which is weird. I know I'm, I'm the, the techie guy that's always got these gadgets and things. So instead, I decided to do something that I'm having a lot of fun with. It's totally not essential. It's totally first world kind of stuff. <laughs> and that's a uh, robot vacuum. So um, Roomba is what most people think of. And those are cool, but they're very expensive, uh, especially for something that's so not necessary in your life. Um, yeah. But uh, so they're, they're like between $450, $630, the uh-huh. Roombas are. So <laughs> the one I have is from uh, Anchor is the producer of it. And they have a, a whole brand line of products that are for home use. That's uh, they call the Eufy, E-U-F-Y brand. And this is the Boost IQ Roboback 30. And uh, it's uh, it's got a the like, it's it's a more powerful suction it's a lower profile kind of little robot vacuum it still is relatively expensive at 270 dollars for something that you probably don't actually need <laughs> but but it's but really super fun to have uh, i mean right now everyone's running it just because it's a novelty and we're like hey look the robot's vacuuming the floor but um the idea was and my wife actually was the one who was like you know i'd like to have one of these someday so someday came and uh <laughs> it, the idea is during the school year right now it's summer so everyone's home all the time but during the school year my kids are all off school my wife goes to the school and, and works there a couple of days a week there's nobody here and so she can just push the button on the vacuum leave the house and the floors will get cleaned so that's kind of cool it's kind of fun but it's totally not essential <laughs> so 270 bucks for a little robot vacuum if you're interested we'll have a link <laughs> in the show notes all right let's close up the show here we want to remind you master photography podcast so if you're looking for the show notes that's where you want to go if you want to figure out how to subscribe to the show that's where you head over there uh, pretty easy we have links now even for google podcasts we've got updates so that uh, it will now directly link you over to google podcasts into the right show and I validated it works. So that's, that's great. And then, uh, the Facebook group we talked about at the top of the show, master photography podcast, there'll be a link to the group in the show notes. If you go to masterphotographypodcast.com first, uh, you can find Brent's work. Well, actually Brent, why don't you tell us where you can find your stuff? Brentbergrim.com is my personal site. Latitude Photography. Uh, excuse me. Latitude Photography Podcast.com is my podcast site. Still closing out and continuing the closure of my lens company, Brent Torrance Lenses. Still have about half the gear left, and I just added a legacy Leica M3, kind of in rough condition. So if you want a, a Leica for a good deal then find it there on the website and then uh, another free meetup you can find me in seattle on august 1 i just mentioned july 23 in bellingham at larrabee state park but actually there's another one i'm going to seattle yeah, on august 1 and again details are going to come out later or just hit me up on facebook for details what have you but that's where you can find me okay very good you can find me over at jsharmanphotos.com and the other uh, podcast i do photo taco is uh, over at phototacopodcast.com. You can subscribe there the same ways. And uh, let's see, Facebook, I'm Harmon Jeff, Twitter, Harmon underscore Jeff. 
and Instagram Harmon Jeff, that Twitter guy that got Harmon Jeff, man, I just yeah. wish, <laughs> wish I didn't have that. All right, Connor, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at Connor Hibbs Photography on Instagram. My name is Connor Hibbs. You can find me on Facebook. I'm the one that has a good photo taken of me rather than other photos of other Connor <laughs> Hibbses. Um, you can find uh, the other podcast that I'm a part of at PortraitSessionPodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes for the Portrait Session Podcast if you're interested in people photography. Um, we actually just finished recording the last episode of our first season, given that won't come out for a number of weeks still. But um, pretty excited about that the whole season is going really well and go over there and do that that's all i have to say excellent all right well thanks guys for joining me for the show today really loved having you at the round table to talk about these things and uh listeners thanks so much for listening we really appreciate the time that you spend listening and engaging on facebook or the other social media places where we have a pretty vibrant community going on it's it's a lot of fun we it really makes it uh something that we we all enjoy and we will see you all again in another seven days